Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. Here we are. Uh, welcome to Happy Zen. And uh, this is a special episode because... Yes, our- hello. It was our first in-person interview that we were th- that was pretty stoked it about. It was. This is a milestone. Most of our interv- all of our interviews have been remote. That sounds not at all what I meant it to be because that sounds like we go out to like the Arctic, which would be amazing. Yeah, no budget for that. No. Uh, so typically they're Skype. Uh, Skype yeah. Or Skype. Yeah, yeah. Skype. Yeah, 100%. That's pretty much it. So, But instead, this time, we traveled very far. So far. About 13 and a half minutes from our house, uh, houses. Uh, to Curtis, Ontario, and we landed at Deadly Grounds. That's right. Mm-hmm. Home of our favorite coffee. We maybe have pimped it out just a few times. Yeah, a few times. All the time. And just in case you forgot, you could visit Deadly Grounds and use your Happy Zen podcast. Is it just Happy Zen? Happy Zen, promo code Happy Zen, H-A-P-P-Y-X-E-N on deadlygroundscoffee.ca. Or you can actually use, I believe, use that promo code in-store Try it. Let us know how it works. If it doesn't work, I'd like to know. It, Brad's more one of the awesome human beings I've ever come across, so I think it would probably go over pretty well. Yes, so we had uh, Brad Maven, the founder of Deadly Grounds Coffee Canada and Ape It Beans uh, Coffee. We sat down with him and talked about a boatload of stuff. We crammed a lot of stuff in this interview. I was super surprised. It was awesome. <laughs> you and I both said the same thing. With a guest, it's it's and anyone out there that does interviews, or maybe you happen to be a podcaster as well, you might know what we're talking about. And for those that don't, it's uh, you get a guest and you get really excited because you have a guest that you really want to bring together. And then, roughly within a few hours before of interviewing or speaking with that guest or getting them on the show, you start thinking about things like, okay, this is the time we've got. This is the only time we've kind of got. You don't want to waste their time. You don't want to do something and then all of a sudden have to go back and do it again. So you're thinking about that. Then the element of what kind of guest is this person going to be? Like, have they ever been on a podcast before? Have they ever done anything like this before? Have they interviewed before? It's going to be one word answers and then oh, just yeah. dead air. Yeah, like you start thinking about the, the necessity to, to drive the interview, right? But in this case, we didn't even need to be there. Yeah, we've 100. been very fortunate with our guests so far. And Brad is uh, another one in that long line of guests who is very willing to speak their minds and fill in the gaps that we ourselves are leaving in most cases. So yeah, yeah. no, there's so much stuff in this interview you're about to listen to. We won't take too much more of your time on this. What is thoroughly impressive and maybe we'll say it for the post. um, But at the end of the day, to see someone who gives so much of a shit about what they do and the quality of what they do. I mean, this is, some of the stuff that's trending today, I think, with the the a small business and the you know new wave of entrepreneurs, the millennials, annuals that are jumping forward and really grabbing the small business world by the short and curlies and starting it all over again, rejuvenating it back to that base of quality. Brad encapsulates all of that and really he dives deep into giving us an understanding of how he's there, why he's there, what that means to him, and how he uses that as like a driving force going forward to to be the business person that he is. And to be fair, incredibly successful in a pretty short window when you look at how this goes. And he really gets in detail with us and he doesn't hold anything back at all, not any any way, shape or form. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got nothing else but great things to say. It was an absolute pleasure. And I look forward to sitting down with him again, 100%. So here's that interview. Enjoy. 
Well, listen, uh, Brad, I mean, right, first of all, good. thank you so yeah. much for joining us. I mean, yeah. and hosting, and not to mention on top of all of that, being supportive of the podcast. Absolutely. It's huge. Where are we? Why do you do this to me? Like, I'm like Because I'm nobody, nobody else knows where we are except us. Just it's on video, right? As you yeah, normally yeah. do. I'm sending the CCTV after if you want. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. We're going to keep all the feeds. Uh, no, we are here in Curtis, Ontario at the Deadly Grounds Cafe, and we are talking with the owner of our favorite coffee. As well as our favorite cafe, Brad Maven. Blushing. Uh, 8 Bit Beans and Deadly Grounds Coffee in Canada. Uh, do you want to start since I cut you off so rudely? No, because you're the pro. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm what they call, what, what do they call that? The uh, color commentary. Right? Oh, God. The so. Jesse the Body Ventura of the group. That's the better one. Oh, yeah. oh that's yeah. way better. Or the brain. Maybe the brain. Right? See, oh. this is the likeness of all this is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> well, so, go ahead. I was just gonna say, well, let's start with something easy. Let's let's lob some softballs. Yeah, because you like to stay on target, and I don't. I already feel like we're you're gonna ramble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'm pretty sure I heard through the grapevine. You're this isn't. You're not from this area, right? No. You, you didn't grow up in in the uh, GTA or the Durham area. I definitely did not. Uh, I grew up in a really small town in Newfoundland, uh, a town called Fortune. Uh, the only thing in Fortune is a is a single Mary Browns. Um, that's the restaurant in town, and uh, we are the gateway to the French islands of saint pere Miquelon, which is what our claim to fame, because you have to go to our hometown to take the ferry across to the French islands, which are owned by France. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a totally different world, it's a totally different uh, atmosphere, and it's a, it's a very cool thing. So I grew up there until I was uh, 16, uh, and my parents moved to uh, Brooks, Alberta, and uh, I moved out there with them after taking care of my grandma for a little while. And, uh, yeah, I was in grade 10 and, and I got the chance. It's a big jump it. from one end to the other. It was almost. a huge jump because, uh, you know, I, I was used to going to a school with uh, 20 people in your class. And even though Brooks is in a big city, it's about um, 45 minutes or so east of, of Calgary. Um it was about 10,000 people at the time, I believe. So, I mean, of course, to me, coming from a town of 1,500, that place was, was huge. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, back home, you had to go you had to go 45 minutes to the nearest town to see a Zellers. So, you know, it, it, was, it was amazing when you got to go and actually look at action figures, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, now living in a town where, where, where we had a, I don't think we had a Walmart at that time. I know they do now. But we had a mall, and we had a Zellers, and that was freaking amazing. Well, Zellers was the Walmart of its time. I mean, oh, that was, that's where everybody went. That was the department store. Well, and if you were in a smaller area, too, that's what you had, Sure. Right? Every small, you know, every smaller area had a, had a you know, 10,000-plus town had, had a Zellers as their you know, their anchor store. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Sears was the big big outlet that was, like, the next size up. Yeah, that's right. It's like, holy shit, Sears. I yeah. Get my bow ties. Well, it's like us when we came. We both grew up in uh, Butley, so we were, our big town was Coburg. And it had the Zellers, and that was mm-hmm. the and Jumbo Video, and then later yeah. Blockbuster. That was the draw oh, to, yeah. to go out to the big city of Coburg and check those places. Well, it was out. nice to have the excuse to go somewhere though, too, right? And it's like you know, and I, I took my wife Katie home to Newfoundland for the first time, uh, probably would have been nine years ago now, and. You know, she loved Newfoundland. She'd never been there before. She loved my hometown. She's like, I, I really wish we could live in somewhere like this. Now, honestly, I don't think I could ever live there. I, 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 I love visiting, but I, you know, even living in Curtis, being a smaller area, 
it's so great to have the GO train right there and access to anything. If it comes to Canada, it comes to our area, yeah. right? So we have right. access to anything that, you know, entertainment-wise or, or um, you know, of that nature. So it's, it's nice to have that or sports-wise. Um, so even though I don't do a lot of that, it's nice to have the access to that. Yeah, right? you're close enough to the big, you know, the, the big city to get, but you don't have to live there. Exactly. Like you're within range. So, so yeah. being in Newfoundland, like I have to joke, you know, yeah, it'd be great to have kind of that country feel and that slower pace of life but I'd have to be financially stable enough that if I wanted to go to a TFC game tomorrow night, I can just go and get on the plane and go mm. you know but I don't know if I'll ever be that yeah. financially stable <laughs> once we're all there once right yeah uh, well I was going to say um, you kind of talked about a bit of your childhood what um, what were your interests as a kid were you into sports were you were you more of a video game player were you more of an indoor kid I a little bit of everything you know because the, the town that I grew up in uh, being small and, and everybody knew everybody uh, you were always out and of course we didn't have the internet when I was you know I think we're all around the same age here yep. uh, you know we didn't have the internet back then of course so it was it was go out now uh, my parents were always really great they never ever forced me to go out you know get out of the house and go do something so I always had the luxury of it if I wanted to stay in and play Super Nintendo I certainly could right but uh, a typical summer for me man back in the day was uh, my friends and I we, we had our kind of organized sports during the day whether it be soccer or slow pitch um, and then I used to play a little bit of tennis too back then we didn't have official tennis courts which was funny so there was a, there was an old um, uh, I don't know if you call it a laundromat they always just call it the dryer so I have no idea what that actually <laughs> meant it was before you know I was born but we would go to where the dryer used to be and uh, it was basically this slab of uneven concrete that was roughly the dimensions of a tennis court. And we put up our own net and we would, we would play. And, and I actually attribute it to actually being a half-decent tennis player because you had to really know how to play on that court. So when I actually moved to Alberta, and of course, you know, you had tennis courts. Amazing. Um, it was crazy. It was like, oh, my God, this is real tennis now. And I, had a, I think I had an easier time but a harder time adjusting uh, at first to the, to the extra space. Wow. It's, and, fun, it's funny you bring up tennis because it's, it's we grew up in a very small community where tennis was not a sport anybody ever undertook except us. Yeah, we yeah. actually would go play <laughs> nice. tennis. Yeah, and we had our own versions of tennis because there's only two of us and you get bored and all. Yeah, that. tennis in quotes because we made up our rules mostly. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Did you ever have any accidents or injuries playing tennis? Uh, I didn't have an accident or injury playing tennis, but I did. <laughs> did, did, did you have a bad accident? I don't know what you're talking about. We have a story. Yeah, <laughs> and Matt. What yeah. happened? No, no, I, I don't Did know. Did you have issues gripping your tennis racket? Oh, sweaty hands, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, we, uh, we, we used to <laughs> occasionally bring other people to play tennis that were interested in it. And then we had an unfortunate incident where Matt was a little upset after a shot. Oh, no. And the tennis racket, I've, you know, when people throw things and they boomerang? Yeah. And so, folks yeah, yeah. at home, I know you can't see this, but just envision throwing something completely perpendicular from yourself. And uh, somehow it manages to travel like 270 degrees backwards to then the back of someone's skull. Oh, my oh God. <laughs> Knock them right on their face. <laughs> Out. Yeah. Anyways, uh, just was curious. I mean, we, no, we've had some exploring. Uh, I've had a similar issue. I, I did. Uh, I, I realized why I don't play organized like team sports well because we used to play road hockey in the wintertime. And... Uh, I know someone was getting a little rough with me, and I took back uh, took the back of the stick, and I knocked the back of his legs. That's and it was, my, it was one of my best friends, like one of my best friends, Scott, but he was just pissing me off. And it was like, uh, sorry, Scott, buddy, I, you got the back. And everybody's like, man, you're a fucking asshole. And I'm like, I swear I don't think I can say that on this podcast. You are a well-hot uh, don't worry. But it's like, 
I don't know. I just it just angered me. And then, yeah, I realized I'm better off playing tennis because <laughs> I can only get mad at myself. There's no one else on the team. Less equipment to throw at people yeah, in theory. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're not really you know roughing roughing each other, right? So it was only good for our friendship to play tennis because there would be moments of anger, but we were able to bury it and leave. So right, it was right. always positive. It's just when we bring other people in to enjoy it as well. They seem. I think to that might have been the last time it happened. It was the one and only time <laughs> I think too. So and it was anyways, real awkward because it was well with others. Yeah, and it was high school and it was a girl and I. Yeah, it, was, oh, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of trouble. There's a lot of layers. To this awkwardness, yeah, yeah. fantastic. Next couple of years of school was kind of awkward, but wow. and the best part is like <laughs> when you get when you get to be in a position where you witness the whole thing from a distance, yeah. but you're far enough that there's no excuse that you couldn't have helped, right? So no one can get you in trouble for not helping, <laughs> but you're just close enough to see every element. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And laugh and laugh. I I I couldn't contain myself. I, and, that, I, and, and remarkably, I, be able to either, I, I did not get yelled at at the end of that, um, which I should have. So. I was terrified. I thought she was dead. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> it was bad. I've never seen a human drop. Have you and seen this person, you know, much yeah, since? Yeah, 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 yeah. She doesn't remember. It's the best oh. part. <laughs> well, you gave her a right in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen. And if she does, we'll find out. Yeah. I know other people know, so that's a great yeah. part. And there'd be people laughing listening to us right now. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Good times. So, okay, so, I mean, looking around in the Deadly Ground shop, I mean, first of all, I've always been absolutely just love the fact that this is probably screaming everything about your interest, <laughs> your... You know, your hobbies, what makes you tick a little bit. Is this completely just you put into a room or is this a combination of you and your wife? This is, uh, I often joke that I don't have a man cave at home because I don't need one at home. Yeah. This this is my man cave, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it, it is and it's not, right? Because you, sometimes you forget about the work aspect of it because of what you've created. And, yeah, it's a cool freaking place. And I, I... Sometimes I wish I was on the other side to, to appreciate it more because, you know, you'll have a long week and you'll have customers come in that are enamored by the place or maybe it's their first time and they go through the gambit of, of like, oh, my God, can you believe this? And, and you're like, you think back to that was cool the first time that happened. And now you're like, it's two years in and almost. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. I know. I know. Yeah. You know, like yeah, I put those there. <laughs> I've been staring at that for two years. Yeah. Like, I'm good. I'm good yeah. with it. Oh, can you believe the penny was? It's like, no, but, but I'll ask you. Look, I, I, it is funny every time someone comes in and they discover the place for the first time and that is usually one of the questions is you know so this must be like you know where you hang out right? yeah, as much as possible yeah and you change it up from time to time as well right like oh, I is mean, that- it's been a work I mean this place when I think about the first uh, you know the first day we open and how the first look of this place I mean this is probably version 4.0 at this point you know um, and it was it's, it's a partly a learning curve because you really don't know what's going to work. You know, you hope you know what people want. And you hope you know what's going to work. And whether it's playing with the hours or whether it's uh, bringing something in that people are going to interact with more or things that they can buy that they can't find other places, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a learning curve. And, you know, we originally had this back room and one of our big plans are kind of uh, – our coup de grace of the place was going to be this really cool table that we had back here for people to kind of and come and have like this party table and you, know, you could book it out if you wanted and you know it never got used in that manner and then then it turns turned into like the video game room before we did the current setup here we had a, a couch back there with surround sound and a big tv so it was kind of like you can come and just sit back and play xbox or playstation and that was the next iteration of that room and then of course last year we had a couple of events where we did the place up we did made it a made it a campground we made it a uh predator uh trophy room and those are all kind of uh, fun to do and now I, I think this room is now it's probably in its uh, i will never say final but in its most um 
used state you know we have the booths back there where people can sit and they can play games and they can still take in all the horror and goodness of this place and you know uh, i didn't think that was going to be a big part of this place and one of the things that ended up happening um, that would change quite a bit was was the hours we're not licensed here so we constantly seem to struggle with people coming in at night now if you would have asked me in the beginning i said you know nighttime is when people are going to come to this place it's a horror cafe right mm -hmm. horror movies horror gaming uh you know the lights go down we had these we had these candles that all these candles light up with bluetooth yeah you know and it's like that's what the nights are going to be and we tried and we tried so many different things now if we do an event night like if we do our super eight movie night or we do horror trivia night it'll definitely be busy they're always sold out for those events but just being open on a weekend you know, I would do twenty, thirty dollars between five and nine, and I'm sitting here thinking, I could be home with my family, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like it becomes a balancing act, right? And it's like you want to give people what they want. And of course, you still get the occasional person that will say, "Oh, I wish you guys were open at night." It's like, oh, sorry, you know, I, I unless we got alcohol, I don't think it's worth being open. And you know, I'm not a big alcohol drinker, but I get it. You know, when I talk to a friend of mine going in, it's usually to go to a pub or to. You know, a board game place where I can have a beer. Like, so I, I get it, right? And that's what we're going to be changing with 8-Bit Beans and the 8-Bit Beans Gaming Cafes. Well, that's uh, going to be the next project. And, uh, you know, a continuation of what we're doing here. And it's that's uh, it's really important to kind of see the, the, the similarities and the fact that it's a sister company and that we're kind of playing with each other. It's almost like a, a franchise company, but, you know, with the... Like a Harvey's and a Carl's Jr. That's a little bit different. We got a different name, but you know everything else looks the same. You know, you got the same style, same vibe, same service, right? Aside from my mind being blown that Harvey's and Carl's Jr. is the same thing, <laughs> you know, everyone knows I'm ignorant, so enjoy it. Hardee's and Carl's Jr. So Hardee's, 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 yeah, Hardee's. And still, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I thought they were yeah. different entities to begin with. Um, let's before we talk about the the Ape of Beans, which is a, a big piece we want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Deadly Grounds. How did this? How did this birth? You know, huh. I'm going to use that term birth because if it's a reflection of you and it's 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 as much part of what interests you, makes you tick and, you know, is in your man cave as you, you put yeah, to us, yeah. um, there had to be a moment where it was like, you're all in. Yeah. You got to make this move. And we'll get into maybe a little bit too, if you can share with us kind of how this came to fruition, mm -hmm. where the craziness came from. <laughs> um, and maybe even what you were doing before that, before you jumped into this. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, the, the story of Deadly Grounds coming to Canada is a, it's a really cool story. I love telling the story. Um, so I guess it would have been, uh, I was get the year made it mixed up. I think it was 2014. Um, my friend and I used, we used to do a magazine called Hauntopolis, which covered the haunted attraction industry, uh, just here in, in Oshawa. And, uh, you know, he was the editor and, and published it, and I helped sell ads, I wrote some articles, and, uh, you know, we used to go around to different conventions and different trade shows and stuff to sell the magazine, sell, you know, try to drum up uh, stories and and basically uh, sell advertising as well, right? And uh, we go to the show in Syracuse every year called Scaricon. At the time, it was called uh, something, Scaricuse it was called at the time. Mm. They had to change it because they moved it away, from, a little away from Syracuse, so Scaricon is called now. Um, a really cool show, one of my favorite horror conventions just the way they do it the way they, it's all put together it's just always amazing and this particular year we're going down the aisle and i see this coffin full of coffee bags and this guy who looks similar to me just a little bit taller a little bit bigger and i'm like holy shit 
is like this is my two favorite things in the whole world coffee <laughs> and horror yeah like so I, I you know of course I spark up a conversation immediately and I'm like hey you know I'm Brad with Hauntopolis magazine two things I'd love to talk to you about how we can get you in the magazine and I'd also like to talk to you on a personal level about how I can bring this to Canada because this is amazing uh, and that was Tom and Tom and I are like brothers now um, and uh, you know basically he loved the idea of the magazine became an advertiser right away because we were doing stuff with the magazine that nobody else was doing on the market it was like a, it was like a mashup between Rue Morgue and your favorite Halloween products like it was just it was just perfect uh, and it's unfortunate that it didn't last uh, but that's print magazine in mm. today's era right? yeah um, but yeah so then Tom and I started talking and it became a, a basically a, a couple of year this was actually before it became about a three year conversation where we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we make this work? And uh, he came up here to do Niagara Falls Comic Con in 2015. And at that time, he said, okay, leave us with the stock. Well, this would be like the first foray into us taking over and running Canada. And uh, that's what he did. He had a bunch of stock left over from Niagara Falls Comic Con. And we started selling what we had left. And during that process, we thought, okay, how do we continue this now? And it was like, it was too expensive to have it come across the border and just resell it here. Um, so I didn't want to, we couldn't do that. It just didn't really make sense. And then we thought, well, let's let's do our own. Like, let's make our own. And uh, in the beginning, our mandate or our priority was to find a roaster that we could work with hand in hand that could make the roasts as similar as possible to what we already had in place. And at the time, we didn't have a lot in place at that time. Um, Dark and Deadly was kind of one of, one of the original roasts. And uh, Death by Chocolate were, were two kind of the original roasts. And Tom was kind of rocking a bunch of other uh, degrees of, of, of roasts. So he had like a medium, a Colombian. He had a Colombian house roast, House Fury Espresso, which we had from the beginning. And then on the flavored side, he had had uh, Caramel Biscotti, which we call Toxic Toffee here. And he had had a couple of other ones. So there wasn't a big, big lot. <clears throat> and uh, we thought, okay. We gave those to the roaster that we were trying to work. We met with, oh my God, we met with four different roasters before we came to an agreement with the one that we use and still use to this day. And it became, um, th that selection was, was difficult, but not really when we finally decided who to go with because we met with people and you'd go in and it was like a corporate meeting. And these people would like, you know, I remember I met one guy at Teddy's with a, a very reputable coffee roasting company in Canada, coast to coast. And this, the whole time I'm with this guy, he's, he's like, He's not even in the conversation. He's just looking at everyone. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Like, this is not the kind of feel that I want. Like, we want the feel that I had with Tom, which was like family. That's what I want with the people that I work with, no matter where it's, if it's people that I hire for here or the people that I work with to do my roasting or buy my bags or whatever. It's all got to be this, this unit, you know, that we all work together. And I just didn't get that from one of them. I met with uh, a local coffee roaster here in Pickering, and, and um, that. <laughs> was pretentious and I and, and I felt like oh my god like I couldn't work with you they wouldn't do anything that we wanted because it wasn't you know the way they do things and it's like okay <laughs> and then when I finally met Eric uh, I looked him up and I found this guy and it was a fluke that I found the guy because uh, I used to work for cooperators so getting a little bit into what I used to do yeah. before I was with cooperators in Whitby at Thixon and Dundas and in that plaza or the one that next to us there was a, a coffee joint at that point it was actually a tea place it was called uh Three steps up, I think, or uh, something like that. But it was a gluten-free bakery. Don't think it's there anymore. 
But I remember, because uh, we used to have a Keurig in the office, and uh, I used to go over there and buy the coffee grounds and come over and use like the own insert thing, right? Yeah. And I remember they had a maple flavor. I'm like, oh my God, that maple flavor is the best maple coffee I've ever had. So uh, when I was trying to find the roaster and we had these kind of filled with the first two or three, I called the place. There was somebody there, and I'm still open at the time. And I'm like, you know, you used to have a maple coffee. You used to buy it all the time. It used to come just in like a craft bag. Um, do you know who you got it from? And she says, um, it's probably uh, so-and-so. She said who it was. And I called them up, and they didn't do flavored coffee. I'm like, oh, Jesus. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to contact her again, I guess. But before I even contact her, she's like, that was probably when the other person owned it. And I think they used Mountain View. I'm like, oh, okay. I call it Mountain View. And I'm like, here's what I want to do. Uh, can we meet? He's like, yeah, absolutely. So we go up there. I did a little research on them before we went to the meeting. I found out it's three brothers that own the roastery. Uh, so I immediately felt that family, you know, talked about their dad and uh, talked about how it started. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is sounding good. So we go to the meeting. And I remember it was a Friday. And uh, apparently it was a PA day. Because we walk in there and uh, we meet with Eric and we go into the room and I see this younger girl vacuuming the floor. I see this other young guy and I'm like, Eric, oh, that's my kids They're on a PA day, so they're working. We got them working today. <laughs> okay, cool. I like this. And so yeah. and then then when we're like we're showing them like our graphics, we're showing them and everything. He he's like, kids, come here, come here. And he like, brings the kids in and shows them. He's like, you know, these guys have an idea for a coffee company, and look at this, right? And it was like, and so like, he was enamored by what we were doing, which was really cool to have that support just from a. You know, someone that's been in the game for 20-odd years to say, okay, this is something that's going to kind of shake up the coffee industry. This is going to be something that, you know, craft coffee but on a almost like craft beer level where, you know, you look at the can and you look at the can because of the different uh, marketing. That's what we wanted to do with coffee, right? Yes. So basically, yeah, we, we met and we came to agreements because one of our one of our things was about, you know, minimums and, and there was so many different factors you're looking at, right? It's a small company just starting off. And basically, everything that we needed checked off. He was like, yeah. And and if you said to me you just needed a case of this, did you get a case of that? I was like, perfect, right? Because some of these other ones were like, you needed 40 cases of one skew. And I'm like, we can't afford to bankroll that. Like, we were just not in, a, in that spot at that time. So we started working with this guy. And man, oh, man. So they, they took our roast. They matched the profiles of the roast that we currently had. So we use our own coffee. So they, you know, the coffee they make for us is just our coffee, right? Like they have yeah. their own brands too and stuff, but like we create our own coffees. Uh, we started we started working with a uh, uh, food scientist at Scarborough. So when we come up with an idea for a new flavor, we call these guys up and say, "Hey, can you send me out a couple of vials of different samples of uh, peanut butter chocolate, for example?" And they'll send me out a couple of vials, and I flavor couple of pounds of beans let it sit for a few days and we decide on the flavor once we decide on a new flavor they patent that flavor for us so no one else will ever have that flavor that's awesome and we <laughs> buy the barrel and it comes in a big barrel that pretty much lasts a lifetime and uh you know it's our brand and it's our flavors right so and that's one of the unique things about deadly grounds too is that you know we have now between deadly grounds and 8-bit beans we have 22 to 26 roasts going at any given time roasts and flavors which is crazy um but it's something for everybody. And the, the funny thing is, our flavored coffee is about 50% of our sales, which for most coffee companies, you know, flavored coffee is uh, an add-on, right? Okay. It's, it's, just, uh, it's a supplement to the main offerings, but not for us. Because people have realized that our flavored coffees are great, and they're not what you would typically get from, uh, you know, most flavored coffees where they're very chemically tasting and, and uh, 
you know, there's a lot of other factors. Like a lot of companies will use a lower grade bean for flavoring because their theory is, hey, we're flavoring it. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, or we don't think that way, right? Like we flavor with a very high grade coffee bean uh, because we still want you to taste coffee, not just flavoring and chemicals. And people appreciate that. And, you know, we've converted a lot of people that say, oh, I don't drink flavored coffee. And we might be at like a fan expo, for example, say, well, we only got death by chocolate. And just give it a try. And they're like, holy shit, not bad for your flavored coffee. <laughs> oh, it's great. No, right? and, so, I mean, and not even just because we're, you know, we're big fans. The, the truth it's 100% the truth you don't get the I travel so much and drink so much coffee everywhere I go that aftertaste chemical piece oh, that you yeah. talk about oh my god it's disgusting you feel it's, it in your gums for like you know 10-15 minutes until you man. eat or drink something else absolutely you don't have that and it is a significant difference and it's funny when you say it out loud you're like that's why I keep going back for the damn thing like, yeah you yeah. don't really recognize <laughs> why that rationale is you just don't taste good but you start thinking about it a bit more so interject but yeah you know you're right and you know and that was a big part of of you know, this brand for us was, you know, a lot of people will look at it. And I remember that first year we did Fat Expo and brand new. No one, a lot of people had never seen it before. They're looking at the brand. They'll come over to the booth. They'll look up at the, the banners. They look at the stuff and they'll be like, uh-huh, you know, funny. And then they'll try the coffee. And you see the look change from just being like a novelty to being, holy fuck, that's good coffee. <laughs> and, and I love when people do that because it's really a testament to the product that we're able to produce. Um, you know, so that so that was very important to me because I mean, like we used to work with the distributor, and I uh, I did several uh, gift shows with this, with this distributor, and they're they're a national distributor. Like they have uh, when we do a when we do a booth with them, the booth is about the size of this room, and everybody kind of gets like a slot slot like at yeah. the Toronto gift show or whatever. And uh, I remember that first year I did that with them, and they were like, "Yeah, we also we do have one other coffee," and they had this coffee. It was called Wake the Fuck Up Coffee. And, uh, yeah, it's funny, right? You look at it, it's got, like, you know, the funny look yeah. on the bag. And uh, they had a regular and a hazelnut. And, uh, you know, a lot of gift shops would carry it because of the novelty. And uh, so somebody, you know, came up to me during that event. And they're like, oh, but what's the difference? I'm like, bring that bag over. And, like, I put their nose at the bag. I said, smell that hazelnut. And they're like, yeah, okay. I'm like, smell my hazelnut. They're like, that's what coffee's supposed to smell like? <laughs> right? And you could tell immediately. I mean, it was just like that That just smells alone. And so if you think that's going to taste any better yeah. when you brew it, you're wrong, right? Yeah. Like, you, it's just that, you know, a lot of companies will come out with this novelty product, whether it's an extra, extra, extra caffeinated coffee, which they fake, fake do, uh, or they, um, you know, they promote being, a, you know, a funny company. Chances are the product is just that. It's going to be a one-off thing that you're going to buy. Well, for us, we, we couldn't have that. You know, it's got to be something where you're going to buy Deadly Grounds. And now you're going to only keep coming back for it because you want to try the other flavors and roasts or you want to collect the bags or there's going to be a number of reasons you're going to want to keep buying the brand. Right, and, and we find that that happens. And we've had numerous we've – got, we've got about 120 stores now in Canada that carry our product. And we've had a lot of gift stores that have said to me, um, we never thought we would be a coffee place. You know, and it got to the point where, you know, we, we bought these in because, you know, they'll buy them for dad for Christmas. Or, but now they're coming back for dad. If dad's, if dad's coming back himself to get his own coffee every week now because this is the only coffee that he'll drink. Right. So that's when you know, okay, it's gone past that novelty phase. That's and it. that's why we do everything small batch still. And we always will. I mean, you know, 120 stores can keep us really busy at times. You know, uh, there was a couple of months ago before you got into the summer months where we, we hired a sales manager. And man, oh man, uh, we, we almost had to tell her to slow down because we were having a hard time keeping up, but we still keep it fresh. And that was the nice thing about doing it this way, with hiring our own sales manager instead right. of now working with a distributor like we used to. The distributor helped us get into a bunch of stores, but they were housing the product. They could be sending that product on six months after it was roasted. Like we, we control all that now, right? So we don't have somebody buying an old bag of beans that yeah. uh, you know would not be a, a real representation of the company. 
right? That, that reputation seems to be very important. Like oh, you're no. building this off family. You, you, the whole story about starting with this is family. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that they're trying to do their own businesses, trying to make their own, you know, entrepreneurial activities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're holding this all close to home. Do you sometimes bang your head against the wall because of the extra challenges you're giving yourself to do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not easy. And, yeah, you definitely do. Uh, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time because, you know, we have very different – my wife and I have very different backgrounds too. Um, and just side by side – She's definitely the more risk-averse person, and I'm definitely the risk-taker. Um, I grew up with, I didn't grow up with much, you know, and, that, and I think that's the difference is I'm willing to take risks because I didn't have a lot of uh, security blankets growing up. Like, you know, my family didn't have money, really. Never went without anything, but, you know, we came from a small town in Newfoundland. Had to move because we didn't have work, you know. You know, there was, so there was never money around, right? Mm-hmm. Like we did, you know, my parents didn't have professional jobs. Um, so, you know, it was a matter of, of you know, now being older and being on my own, and I think from the moment I was on my own, it was like, okay, you got to make things, you got to do things, you got to make things happen, right? Mm-hmm. I could go and sit in an office. I've got the education to go sit in an office and, and make good money, but I don't want to do that, right? That, like, why? When you know you can do something even better, it might be harder. It's definitely going to be the harder, and like you said, knocking your head against the wall will have a lot more than, hey, going to the office and selling insurance for the rest of your life. But Jesus Christ, the, the rewards and what's to come and the opportunities that we've had and the people that we've met and, and the friends that we've made. I mean, my God, you can't, you can't get that from working in an office job. So right, you, you got to think about the, 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 as much as of a pain in the ass it's been, um, you know, we're not, we're always ahead of the game. Right, like we've never hurting, so it's it's it just seems like every time we get comfortable, we say, okay, well, let's do this now, and then you know, my wife starts to hit her head against the wall again when I say, yeah, let's open a new cafe or uh, this out of the other thing, right? But uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think the reward is definitely worth the risk that we put in so far. Um, you know, we look at this place as a, as a great example. If 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 Joe blow out up a cafe in this corner just because, hey, I want to open up a cafe, they would have been gone a year and a half ago. Oh, that's, right. you know, I listen, Matt, Matt stumbled upon you guys first and then, you know, becomes massively addicted. Uh, hooks me in, not a hard hook once you taste the, the coffee, then comes to the place, it's amazing. And I used to say to Matt, I said, man, stuck in that corner, like, I, I was fearful because my wife yeah. used to work across the street at the vet clinic there. Right, right. So we've, you know, you historically know we've seen what happens over here. Yeah. And if you're not on the face of that street, you're you're in trouble. Yeah. And quite the opposite. It seems like everyone that's kind of successful in this little corner now is is sprouting from you, right? Well, and I think I think it comes down to you know I know at the end of the day if we were in a higher uh, foot traffic area with deadly grounds, we would definitely be better off. Don't get me wrong, but the fact of the matter is, you come through here on any given day. We're always busy, and we're always to the point where um, on the weekend you walk through, and if you ask somebody where they're from, they'll say, "I took the job down from." Belleville today. I took the drive down from Toronto. People make this a destination on their road trips, you know, and that that was the idea, and that's why I was confident. People, because at the beginning, people were like, "That spot, man, you're kind of tucked away. You don't have a lot of signage. Uh, you know, you're next to a Tim Hortons. There's a McDonald's across the road. You know, yada yada yada." And I'm like, you know, yeah, and I, I get what people are saying, and and yeah, absolutely. I'm sure Tim's is making ten times what I am today, but you know what? 
we're doing all right. And people that come through the door are people that I want to come through the door. You're laying a foundation. Right? Yeah. You're laying a foundation. And, you know, and, and we see, we always know when it's people that come through and say, hey, we invite anybody. And like, you know what? There's, there's, and don't ever judge a book by the cover because we do that sometimes. You know, I'll see like an older lady come through and I'm like, oh, shit, this is going to be fun. <laughs> and, and But then she comes in and she's like, oh, my daughter loves this. And, you know, like because I used to watch it. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. But then you do get some people come through and I've seen it. You know, you uh, I'm trying to think that there was an episode of The Simpsons where Homer walks in and he kind of just turns around and walks <laughs> back. Uh, yeah, yeah, the grandpa. The yeah. grandpa in the Burlesque house. Yeah, yeah. Court, court, the coat service. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That happens here. I've seen it happen with, you know, a little old lady that will come in and she will get that almost to the end of the bar and walk right you see out. something on the wall or on the, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's not for everybody. But I also think that, you know, we're, we're not over-the-top horror in no. here. I mean, it's tame. It's it's likenesses. It's it's uh, There's no blood. There's no gore, right? I mean, and that was a thing that we wanted to keep out here. We wanted to be friendly. And, and you know, you might, you don't, and that's the other thing, too. You don't have to necessarily be in here for the horror we have a lot of people that come in for their beans that are not into horror but want a good cup of coffee so was that i mean besides obviously this being like you said kind of your own man cave aspect to it what was the goal of having a physical location because obviously before Mm -hmm. you were selling directly the 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 coffee that way what was the what was the overall goal of having a, a brick and mortar location Oh, it was twofold, really. Uh, you know, we were really we were going to the growing to the point where we were outgrowing um, being able to produce where we were. And, you know, right. That, so you've got like an office and you've got a production yeah. area. So we have a production area where you know we feel um, feel more comfortable bringing people in to work. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, before we used to just do it out of our house. So, right. You know, the basement was converted into a packaging zone, right? And you could go down there during Fan Expo time, and it's like it was just boxes to the ceiling, right? So, I mean, so at the end of the day, it really was a, a question of, okay, yeah, we're going to have overhead, obviously, because now we're going to be paying for an extra place, but it gives us that place where we can safely and soundly produce our coffee for distribution. And the fact that we have a cool cafe is kind of the add-on. Mm-hmm. You know, the cafe itself is, is, while it makes us money, it's not our bread and butter. Our bread and butter is our distribution. And, you know, and that's, that was, so that was kind of the idea is like, I definitely wanted to give people a place, you know, I always have that kind of uh, Starbucks pipe place mentality where we wanted to give people like an OG spot to go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get my daily grounds and I go to the original spot. And right, right. Right. Grounds, right. Right. I go to the it's first It's like Mecca cafe. for deadly grounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we've had people that have come in that have said that, right. It's like, you know, I usually get it at Enniskillen or I get it here or I get it. Uh, I had someone that was in from Edmonton. Like, I get it from a place in Edmonton, but I can't believe I'm here in the stores. Like that is freaking cool, man. Yeah. You know, I've definitely had friends on that have seen me post things on Instagram or Facebook, and they want to know where it is. So that yeah, if they're going by, you know, they'll get off the highway and come up and check it yeah. out, or on the you know, a tour from family or what have you. So I think, like you said, it's definitely a destination location. So yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like, do you get, do you find it? helps spread the brand more having this location or is it more just like you said more of like a a central location for you like, does it benefit you more do you think or is it better yeah. for your customers i think it, i think it's a, i think it benefits both of us for sure because i think you know you know we're looking at some analytics and it's like people come in they hang out mm-hmm. like they're not coming here just for the average guest is not coming in here just to, to grab a coffee and go people come here because they want to be a part of this environment right whether you come in on saturday mornings and i've got cartoons playing you can grab a you know a little snack and sit back and have your coffee for an hour or play the arcade machine for a little bit like it just it's an inviting atmosphere and that's what i love to see i love to, i love to see people coming in and look at everything and buy from our vendors too i mean that's another aspect to what we that we bring is we bring we provide 
a brick and mortar store for a lot of people that would not have a brick and mortar store, mm -hmm. you know, that don't have product that they can get into a typical store, right? Well, we open that up. I mean, everything you see on the walls here, we've probably got about, I don't know, right now maybe 15 different uh, vendors here that, you know, can sell their product here and not just sell it at conventions. Yeah. So, like, you know, we were able to do that, which meant a lot to us. And we've talked about that on the podcast many times, the whole supporting locally, you know, supporting local businesses, small businesses. And we're finding as we are getting older that that's becoming more important. And it seems more worthwhile than... You know, I'd rather come in here than go to like a Tim Hortons or a Starbucks or what have you. Yeah. Besides the fact that the quality is better, I feel better supporting an independent business. And same thing with, you know, if I'm buying a unique gift off, uh, you know, one of the shelves here, you feel better about it than if I'm just going to go to wherever, you know, like a yeah, department store. The uh, department store. Just like yeah, yeah. I, you know, right? As I said that, I'm like, nah, just say Walmart. But there's nothing left, it's right? True. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's an it's, it's very piece. unfortunate. And I'm glad to see there is a shift, right? And I, I look at our generation, going back to the the Zennial piece we talk about. You know, our generation it really is spearheading this revival yeah. of of the small business. Yeah, I and, agree. And and and, we're, and the the neat part, and I think you've embodied it beautifully in sharing your story about Deadly Grounds, is that. We're taking who we are and throwing it into these businesses. And we're not, you know, you talk about the risk adverse and being risk. It's great to have that balance. And you probably oh, definitely yeah, check yeah, a balance. Yeah. But, but when you think about it, you throw who you are from your generation out. And you're like, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I am. I'm going to represent my product. Yeah. I give a shit about what I'm buying. Because I came from a time when they started flooding the market with stuff and yeah. saturating and watering stuff down. So I'm going to go the opposite. I, mean, I remember giving a shit. I remember hearing the stories about giving a shit. Here we go. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it takes off. It hits. It hits home because it's the right recipe at the right time. And, you know, I think in some respect, there was a beautiful timing of generation. But the steadfast approach you shared with us is probably integral, too, because I think the temptation would be very high for a lot of people to veer away. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it would be really easy. The pe people want to go all in right from the get-go on a lot of projects, a lot of ideas, right? And mm -hmm. like, go home or, you know, go, what is it? Go, All the cliches go on hard or go home, right? Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Go hard and go home because that's what's going to end up happening. <laughs> you know, like, the, 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 I remember saying in the beginning, and this is, you know, kind of going back to the, the, the origin piece too, is like when I was speaking to Tom, it's like, okay, Tom, just let me kind of flow with things, right? And I remember, I think it was like a, uh, I don't know if it was during an ice storm. I know it was a day that we were all at home because we it was bad. It was winter still. I'm pretty sure it was in February. And I just started working on a Delegance Coffee Canada website. I just and I had it done. I like I fired I'm like, I've got a website ready to go. And he's like, Oh my god, man, you're dead serious. I'm like, Yeah, I'm like this is ready. You tell you tell me to give me the green light and it's ready to go, right? And then like I said, months or so later, it all just kind of started happening. Um, but you know, we but from that initial plan. You know, my business plan really was, I, I called it the four pillar approach. And the four pillars for me was online sales because there's no overhead, okay? I can sit on this. I was working at a full-time job at the time still. What's the risk? I get some coffee roasts that I sit here with and I've got a cool name. I spent some money on marketing. We make some money that way. Um, so then we did convention sales, which was a big thing for this brand. I mean, this brand shouts out being at a Comic-Con, right? right? So for us... Fan Expo was definitely our launching pad, you know, the first Fan Expo that we did. So we knew that those were the first two pillars that we wanted to take care of. And I knew that that was uh, uh, really important. Uh, the third one for us was distribution, wholesale. And that was easier to get into than I thought. Um, you know, so when we started working on that third pillar and the distribution side of things, you know, I started playing with numbers in my head. And it's like, okay, if we had... 
uh, eight stores producing blah 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 then hey I'm doing an okay income if I start doing ten you start playing with all these different different ideas of how wholesale works right and you know factoring in the middleman and blah 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 and uh, you know I remember at the beginning when I was trying to do the wholesale thing before I worked with a distributor I mean I was getting in my car man and I would take a box of coffee and I was going to Port Perry and I was hitting the roads in Port Perry I was going to Port Hope and I was going to Coburg and I was going to I was going everywhere just pounding the pavement with a bag of coffee and I would go in and and you know a, a funny story like a, it's in it's in Luke's country home up in uh, up in uh, Port Perry and Luke's has been carrying it since the first year and then I remember walking in there for the first time and talking to Terry the owner and she's like I don't think my customers here would like that I'm like I'm like Terry I've got 10 bags in the car I said I'll even do it on consignment you know here's the price I said if I just put them in your store and she's like okay I'll buy the 10 bags so she wrote me a check right there and then for the 10 bags which was you know insignificant amount of money for just selling 10 bags that day uh, and it wasn't even a week later and she's calling me she says I need to make a big order and she's like people were just buying it up and I was like okay cool and so she placed an order for like five cases or something like that and she still does right like, I mean I took like 36 bags up the other day um, so you know it's funny it's just funny how it works but that, that was how it worked initially so that third pillar which was, was hard from a personal standpoint to try to go out and sell it and sell the idea of it um, but I mean a lot of that also came from doing like the, the direct shows like, like Fan Expo because that you know how many cards I walked away with after that first one was people saying hey I've got a store give me a call I've got a store yeah. give me a call right so we put together a really good uh, wholesale program and uh, then we started working with Buckstone the distributor and then like I said they helped us get into a bunch of stores we didn't have the same the problem with Buckstone was they had they had about 10 sellers and that which sounded very appealing to me they had sellers across like basically in every province they had a, they had a so if you wanted someone to go to Jasper and work on Jasper for you they had someone out there that would go and try to sell in Jasper for you the reality was, it's just another skew on their books. So yeah. they go to a place, and the place somebody says to them, well, "Do you have a coffee?" And they're like, "Oh, oh yeah, I do." Yeah, there's one. the ground. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they're not they're not advocating for my coffee, right? Yeah. So, and that was the piece, that was the missing piece with the distributor. So the great, you know, the, nothing. I mean, uh, I can't say anything bad about it because we got into stores. And the great thing about it is when I hired my own salesperson, they were basically able to take that book and say, "Okay, I'm going to go back and approach a lot of these people." Yeah, and a lot of them have stayed on as, as loyal customers, right? And we get more and more all the time. Like you know, we now have it in a board game cafe up in Peterborough, and a board game cafe in, in Camelford. And you know, every time I turn around, there's more and more stores and cafes either selling by the bag or using it in their in their cafe, which is this is awesome, which is great, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, you know. Going back to that original question, yes, hitting the head against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so, sorry, I didn't finish. The fourth pillar was the brick and mortar. That's the question. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the fourth pillar was yes, brick and mortar, and we started that by testing the waters at uh, the Curtis Flea Market. You know, we had a booth at the Curtis Flea Market called Franken Store. Which that was your that. booth. That was our booth. Okay, uh, I remember seeing it there. Yeah. Me and Chris and Adam originally owned that booth. We all went in together on that. Uh, Adam with his T-shirts and Chris with had a bunch of horror stuff and great designer, and then myself with the coffee brand. It's like, okay, let's bring all these things together and make this cool horror booth. And it was cool. It was a really fun spot, and it was. Uh, uh, bad location. I mean, you know, I think that's a tough flea market. That flea market is, you know, I was there again two weekends ago. I was like, Jesus Christ, this place is no offense. It's like, you know, I love a good flea market, but like, this is just, it's where things go to die. You know, <laughs> there's a guy there selling S video cables. I'm like, who the fuck are you selling S video cables to, dude? Like, that's the, that's the most advanced thing you have on the wall here. Like, 
He's been sitting Jesus. on them for years. Yeah. yeah. They're going to take off. Yeah, S- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just sold my last Betamax. Thank God S-Video's yeah. here now. More space for, yeah, for the VCRs. That is tough. <laughs> Let me ask you. So the, I feel like in that three-pillar conversation from your business plan, I'm assuming, oh, sorry, four-pillar. The third pillar is must have been, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that tipping point where the numbers started going in your head with, hey, I don't have to have a real job anymore. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. the tipping point. This right? is the real job. Yeah, like yeah. this is all of a sudden a thing now that I I have to make this my full-time job. In yeah. other words, it's a ceiling. That was the that was definitely the point where you started thinking about that a lot more seriously. And that's when you started playing with, well, if they could just get me 20 stores, yeah. then... You had the number. Yeah, you know, you, that, that was my number. It was 20 stores. And the reality was I stuck with my job. I mean, I had a great paying job. I, I worked, I was an agent with cooperators. Um, you know, it was a, it was a cushy job. I say it's a well-established firm. You're, yeah, not, you're absolutely. not hunting for business. People were no. not paying you on your door. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I did lose my job there, which was actually the kicking, kicking the ass. I needed to make this my full-time thing. Um, um, but when I, when I lost my job, it was because I wasn't, I didn't believe in what I was doing, right? Yeah. So like they wanted you to sell life insurance. Like I was good at all the other stuff. I believed in selling commercial and I could sell the shit out of commercial because every business needs a good commercial insurance plan. For sure. But when I wasn't producing the, the life number, they were like, oh, well, you need to get that. That's how you get paid. I'm like, oh, fuck this. I don't, like, this is not me. I can't sell somebody something they don't want, like, I, yeah. and try to keep bagging people. So that wasn't me. I could sell them a bag of fucking coffee, though. Yeah. Let me do that, right? <laughs> Um, so like, and that's, so that was kind of the tipping point. And that's when, you know, we, we had a basically a little while to say, to work with and say, okay, we got time now to, to try to grow this to the point where it's offsetting the income that I'm losing. And, uh, that's what we did really, you know, and, and I still went back to work for a little while after that. I worked at a hotel, which was my background anyway. And, uh, when I was at the hotel, we got to the point and it was after fan expo, uh, 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yep. So after Fan Expo 2017, we got so busy after that particular Fan Expo, like September hit, and it was like 20 orders a day just from our just from our online sales. Not counting what all the distribution was being. I was like, okay, we cannot keep up. And I mean, there was times when we used to have a couch in the back here. I slept on that couch, man. And that was the point. Like we we got this place in October. So the first thing we did is we made that place a packaging room, even though we didn't open until February here. We right. were producing out of here that October of 17. So yeah, we were over here producing the shit out of all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, there's no way I can work. There's no way I can work at that point. And then, uh, you know, most recently, about two months ago, my wife was able to quit her job finally. So, you know, now we both, this is our life now. And uh, it feels good because we know, you know, with with Deadly especially, like, the thing about Deadly Grounds is I've always felt that it has a ceiling though, because, because it's horror themed. Not everyone's going to get that, right? Yeah. And, and that was one of the reasons why I felt the need to do another niche or another genre brand uh, was because I knew that not everyone's going to buy into horror, but anybody can buy into nostalgia. And everybody would buy into, even if you weren't in a gamer, if you go into a, if you go into an EB Games and you see a bag of our taste invaders on the wall, you're like... Ah, uh, well, that's like Space Invaders. Uh. You you segue beautifully into this, and I was trying to think in my head about collaboration conversation at least in the segue, and this has just been. Well, so I think organic. the whole the, yeah. the the run through line so far, and I could be wrong, is it's a passion. These are these are things that you are passionate about. Yeah. And any time when that veers away from a passion or the people you're involved with don't seem to have that passion, then you steer away from them. So obviously. I would presume, and you can correct me if we're wrong here, but the 8-Bit Beans and, and the, the, the retro gaming and, or gaming in general, 
is something that you have a passion for as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people would even say more so. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like horror is a big thing for me. Deadly kind of fell on my lap to a certain degree because it was already established. It was there. Um, Gaming, and I I probably would agree to people, I was like, that's probably more of my passion. You know, maybe like a degree or two difference. Mm -hmm. You know, like I love all this stuff, right? So for me, yeah, you know, with with, with 8-Bit, I was just like, you know, I love I love nostalgia. I'm an '80s kid. I love the '80s. Um, you know, I wanted something that would not only cater to the people that like. In my mind, here's what I was picturing: getting into all the EB games. I'm picturing you as a dad going in to buy a game with your kids, still being a gamer dad yourself, but looking over and seeing your son buying like you know the latest Call of Duty, and you waiting for him to be done doing whatever, and you're looking at this bag of coffee that instantly brings back like memories of playing that game when you were a kid even though it's, even though it's not the game yeah. but just the visuals from that yeah. you know so I, you know, I picture 8-Bit being a very cross generational uh, product you know and that, hence why we were building the cafe you know it's a place to come and enjoy 80's nostalgia but it's also a place where the kids can come and enjoy too so it's for everybody right it's like it's like People say, oh, it's kind of like Dave and Buster's. No, it's nothing like Dave and Buster's. Like, you know, you don't go to Dave and Buster's to chill with your bud and have a pint. You come to our place to chill and have a beer with your pint and talk about, remember when we used to play Super Nintendo and we used to kick your ass a Street Fighter? Yeah. You know, that's the conversation that happens at 8-Bit, right? And, and, there's, and that's why, uh, you know, we're trying to give it a uh, um, feel that everybody can can enjoy. And that's the same with the, with the branding on the bags that we saw. So, like, you know, 8-Bit kind of has that same... Uh, work uh, process that we had with Deadly Grounds. We already laid the foundation. And what, would you, what would you kind of veer away from that? But, you know, basically with 8-Bit, we started 8-Bit because um, I, I saw the need for something like that for gamers and esports athletes and people that, uh, no matter where you are in the gaming industry, I mean, like we sell to Ubisoft Toronto. You know, like, so for me, whatever facet of the video game industry or player or level of gamer you are, you're going to want to drink our coffee, right? Because that's the cool thing to do, Yeah. right? Instead of drinking a Red Bull, you grab a, a glass of our stuff. And, and uh, you know, when we I, when we started 8-Bit, it was kind of a fluke in a way, too, because I had the idea. I had the idea for a while, and I kept saying I wanted to do a coffee brand for gamers. And we were watching uh, Victor Lucas on the Electric Playground, and I grew up watching him, you know, my teens. Yep. And... Uh, I remember this was about a year after he just went to YouTube, and you know the, the TV deals were all done. And he was on one of this one of the uh, episodes, and he was saying, you know, we, we need sponsorship. If anybody out there uh, has something that you you know you can think of, uh, you know, want to talk, right? Like, yeah. All right, maybe this is the opportunity. And I'm like, okay. And I messaged him. I'm like, I have this idea for a coffee company, and how we could work together is we do a collaboration with one of the coffees and basically as uh, that collaboration gets you a, a you know a, a royalty per bag and uh, in return you were the official coffee of EPN or the official coffee of your show or the sponsor of your show and he loved the idea he's like I've never thought I'd agree to something like this but it sounds really cool uh, let's talk more we put together a contract we you know so and, and so we basically we launched uh, 8-Bit Beans last year at Fan Expo and we flew Victor in from Vancouver. Um, so he was at our booth throughout the weekend signing autographs and selling some of his merch and you know promoting the coffee. 
and he had a couple of panels and stuff like that and that was kind of the introduction for most people to 8-bit beans and uh, a month or so later we did EGLX we were invited to do EGLX because of uh, Jason Lapine one of the uh, one of the guys from Enthusiast Gaming met us at Fan Expo and he's like uh, would you do would you do another show I'm like yeah the funny thing here's here's the difference Deadly Grounds we've always had to pay so you know catch is coming up all right what's the fees when you know send it over with 8-bit I haven't paid for a show yet you're invited people because people want something different like you know and the gamers uh, you know don't get me wrong we you know because we're getting a free electro anime north we gave them a bunch of coffee to give away we get travel mugs to give away but I mean you're talking we had we were in the in the program as the main sponsor for that room uh, and, uh, and you know Hall D, and uh, that's phenomenal. Like you know, if if I was a paying customer, yeah, I would have been paying probably about ten grand for everything that we got out of that, for what I gave them. But you know, I still I think we got the the win out of that. But they also see the value in having something to be able to give to people. Yeah. that's not just what everyone else has. Every freaking convention has forty booth carrying Funko Pops yep. well we don't want that we want some, We want something that's going to offer people something different right and that's Completely what we bring different. to the table yeah. it sounds like it's like the perfect like it's a very ideal time to be getting into this like it's it's such a right like the gaming you know esports and we've talked about this yeah. as well you know esports and gaming in general has definitely moved from the I don't know not shameful per se but you know when we were kids growing up it was like okay you can play for a few hours and get the hell outside yeah, yeah. or what have you usually you know it was Dicking around now, it's that push that I mean. You look at Twitch. You look at the the, the prizing. I mean, that sixteen year old kid just won three million dollars <laughs> playing right? Fortnite. You know, like he's making more than Tiger Woods. He's making more than you know. Yeah, how crazy! Right? Like it's insane. So this seems like a perfect time for you to get in there while it's rising, and they're yeah. looking for it to fill all those pieces. That's right. Whereas the horror business, I think, because it's more established and it's been around for so long, it, it, they're not maybe not as well, not welcoming, but they don't want to. You know, they're not willing to take that kind of a risk that maybe the gaming mm. side of things is. I think you well, can look at the horror industry and you look at the gaming industry, and I, I think it almost reflects exactly the same way that coffee is being reacted to inside those industries. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. that horror itself is a niche with niches inside of it, so mm-hmm. they are all kind of just all encompassing to make that whole collective. Whereas gaming, it, it seems limitless. Yeah, it, tr- yeah, it truly does. Absolutely. Right? I mean, there's, there really is no end to it, and very quickly the foray into that conversation with the um, fan expo was a, you know a, a rocket strap gone yeah. whereas it was like with horror the horror piece it was again slow rise genre participation help make the machine move collectively that's right whereas the gaming is like you've got something we need yeah. this is the new it's Fortnite it's, let's yeah. go boom and, and that's just it and you see that right and it's like uh, I mean it doesn't hurt, doesn't take much as notice okay like fan expo uh, you know it's three weeks away and you know they're not promoting horror at all at this event yeah. and it's been going that way for the last couple of years and they don't give a shit no. they could care less because they realize that Yes, horror is big, to, but to a certain degree, not bigger than all the other shit we have here. Yeah. This is way bigger, and it's you know, is it sad? Yes, and and I see a lot of our friends like in different forms and groups and, and Facebook pages, you know, bitching and complaining about. It. I'm like, I get it, guys, but from a business aspect, they know what they're doing. They're trying to catch yeah, a wider I, net, I right? It, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I, it sucks for us being the horror people, but we also have other venues that have come available to us as well to sell at. You know, whether it's Frightmare in the Falls or yeah. other horror dedicated. Things that does well for us, right? So, you know, Fan Expo's gotten to the point where it's corporate. 
but there's a reason these people do what they do. They know what they're doing. They know that they're going to sell more by not having horror guests than having another person that was on The Flash or, or yeah. whatever. And the time might hit again. A genre might it might flare back up once again. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's, it's ebb and flow, right? I mean, yeah. you see it happen all the time. I mean, it is so big right now and with it too coming out. Like, horror has done well in, in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's definitely been a... Uh, you know, we I think horror movies have sold more at the box office in the past two or three years, which is the one reason I find it's weird that you know they're not capitalizing on that. Like, why not get Bill Skarsgård? Why not get some of these bigger people, right? But I guess they just don't see it. Especially right? when, especially in the case of it, the majority of it is filmed in this area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right here. So why Southern not? Southern Ontario, yep. roll, yeah. roll with it, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you should. Yeah. But, you know, again, I guess they see something different, right? So with the gaming stuff, yeah, I mean, you know, um, we're, we're hosting or we're one of the sponsors next month for uh, the Toronto Twitch meetup. Uh, you know, Ape Beans is one of the, the hosts for that, and um, which is great. I mean, you know, we went to the last one just as attendees, and uh, we met some crazy influencers there, you know, that we became friends with. And it's like these are the people that are in there that are making a career out of being Twitch streamers that can also help me with my brand, 100%. you know, and take it. So, again, it becomes a I pat your back, you pat mine, right? You drink coffee every day, bud. Well, do you want to pay for it the rest of your life? No problem. <laughs> you help me get your people drinking it, we can make that happen, right? So we, uh, we've made these really great connections, and I, I'm really excited. So we've got two really cool events coming up, one being the Twitch meetup on August 17th at the Hive in Toronto, and then we are partnering with uh, Durham College at the end of... Um, so August, so August 30th, 30th, that's your 31 of August. 31. So 30, August 31st to September 1st, uh, we're doing their, they're doing their uh, um, Extra Life event. Yes. So we're a sponsor for that with them, and they actually have us streaming with them as well. So that's that's pretty cool. So anytime we get a chance, like, and, then we, you know, and in that case, like, we're, we're donating product, we're donating uh, some finan- financial aspect to them as well uh, to help pay for waters and stuff like that, right? right. So, and we love doing that stuff, you know, and uh, we got asked to go out to Calgary in November for the Canada Cup. Um, you know, that's, uh, I, I want to say that's a... Uh, um, Overwatch thing? Yeah. I think, or maybe it's a League of Legends, I can't remember. Sorry, gamers. It's all right. They don't know. correct us. Yeah. That, uh, that's insane how fast. I mean, I, I'm not surprised. I shouldn't say I'm surprised because it truly is the way things are in that marketplace. You're you're landing in the right marketplace with the right product, with a quality product. Well, I think it's doing it the right way because, yeah. like, you know, I when we got into this, like, we became a sponsor of the SXD esports team in Toronto. Um, there were a couple of guys that were on the team that were kind of filling me in about... Uh, Gamers and that side of the business operate very differently than, than we did in the horror side. Like these guys, and they use terminology that was all new to me. Um, they're like, uh, you know, we have this, uh, and let, let me send you over our media deck. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what you're talking about right now. And, you know, so I, I know all this stuff. No, it was a learning process, right? Because, but, like, it was a lot more legitimate than anything that we've ever done with horror people. Like, this was like, okay... We're going to prove to our, We're going to prove to you why you should work with us. This is how people in the gaming industry worked. We're going to prove to you why this is something you want to be a part of with me and support us, or we'll support you. Like, okay, cool. You're like, I'm already in, but yeah, all right, right. And they'll send it over. And like, here's our numbers. Here's this. Here's it. Here's where we're going. I'm like, cool. I like it. You know, it's a basically it's a mini business plan, right? Yeah. And they talk about activations. Like, we're going to do an activation at this event. I'm like, What's that? I'm like, oh, you know, we go and we interact with them. I'm like, oh, okay, it's just. I wonder if some of that, like, I wonder if, if that's them just trying because they're so like there's that stigma with gaming 
like to legitimize, legitimize it, you know, yeah, yeah. To, to, to maybe overcompensate a little bit and be like, look, we are professional. We are doing everything professionally. Whereas, again, in the horror side of things, maybe they're like, eh, you know, we're here, we're, you know, there's probably a lot of handshake deals and, yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Whereas I think the gaming side of things is really trying to prove itself to yeah. the business world that, look, we're legitimate. We're, we're being serious right. about it. I think you're right. Uh, and, you know, and one of the things that came out of a lot of those early conversations with people um, was learning about, like, because uh, we didn't have, like, a, an affiliate program and stuff like that in place. We do now, but we didn't because um, that was all brand new territory. Right? Yeah. What's in, what is an affiliate program, right? And they, a few of these guys turned me on to a few of these other uh, coffee companies um, that were doing. But then I immediately saw the difference. It's like, okay, where we're, we are doing the grassroots thing and working with gamers and talking to gamers and affiliating with gamers on a, hey, I'm here with you type of thing. Right. These other places were just like, hey, I'm a corporate company and here's our level up coffee or whatever the hell the name of it is. And now look at us. Cool. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that you um, either sponsor or have connections with you, they know you. Or, mm. you know, they know... They, they've spoken to you. Like, there's that connection. Whereas, like you said, with more the larger organizations, it's I don't know. I spoke to a representative. They said if I yeah, stick yeah. their thing in the bottom corner of my screen, you know, I'll get whatever. Whereas I, I find with you, it's like you said, it's more of an organic thing. Yeah. And you, I mean, again, I could be wrong, but it seems to me you, to some degree, know or have spoken with every person that has that connection to David Beans brand. Yeah, and I would I wouldn't have it any other way. And it's like, you know, even with my salesperson that does mostly deadly but she sells our EBIT stuff too. It's like anybody that she brings on board, I make a personal point of making sure that I connect with these people either on the phone or I email or make sure that they're okay uh, how do you like to do business are you happy doing it the way you're doing it uh, do you want to you know do it a different way like whatever right because it's so different and I, and I learned that really early on when I um, got the distributor and it's like okay I thought with the distributor this is gonna be great I don't need to do anything but I realized very quickly that when the distributor was selling something we'd get an order from that store once every six months or so when I was getting that store and being the one to make that connection it was happening every month or every couple of weeks right so you know how to sell your product better than anybody else does at the end of the day and that's the difference right so I could teach you to sell it for me and you might be a great brand ambassador for me but there will never be a point in time where I will ever feel 100% that's not a reflection of you as a person or as a seller for me or as it's just it's a way of me staying involved with the company and staying involved with the people that support us yeah. and that they know that no matter what, I'm always in their corner, not just a sales rep, not just an employee. You know, it's got to feel that way. Back to that foundational principles we were talking about, how you grew everything in that deadly ground piece, right? Right. And yeah. it's like, you know, and that's why I won't sit with stock on our shelves, right? Like we rarely have, like we have enough stock on our shelves back there for like a two week period. And then it's gone, you know, and then everything else. So that's that's how we work. And that's why, you know, if we get a store ordering 500 pieces tomorrow, it's like, okay, I'll have it for you next week because it's fresh. Yeah. You know, it's not sitting in a fucking warehouse to be shipped out to you. That's you know, awesome. So let's talk. Let's talk. We take up a lot of your time, but we got to talk a little more about eight, be, eight bit beans. Actually, look, their location's coming. Yeah. Let's dig into that a little mm-hmm. bit. Whatever you're willing to share, we were all This ears. is a relatively new development. Oh, man. Well, you know, it. It is, um, and it was one of those things that uh, my wife likes to say, it's kind of the cart before the horse type thing. What ends up happening is something cool comes along, and I've already had it in my head for a while how it will work, and then a piece of that equation comes along that maybe doesn't, maybe isn't the first part of the equation, 
but because it's a very important part of the equation, we've got to make it happen. And in this place, in case it was the place, it was the location. Um, you know, uh, we had kind of gotten serious about looking for a place for 8-bit, uh, probably around Anime North. You know, we, we, had, we had Vic with us at Anime North again from uh, Playground, and he was getting excited about things, and he was starting to talk about, hey, it would be cool if we had this idea of, a, of an 8-bit or an Espresso Playground place that uh, we could come to town and we could film our shows from here or we could be doing like a co-hosted show where we're in Vancouver and I'll throw it over to the Toronto studio and, and I'm like, oh. so we both kind of got, you know, excited talking about that type of stuff, right? And he's like, well, you know, get home and start, you know, looking for places and, and we'll see what we can do from our end and, and, and whatnot. So I got back and, you know, started randomly looking for places and then when I found uh, the place at La Fontaine that we ended up getting, right on the corner of Dundas and Brock, it's like, if you want to be anywhere to get noticed, that's the place to get noticed. Right. You know, we started doing our, our digging and we talked to like Go Transit, like there's a, there's a there's a go stop right outside our door, right outside the door. And they're like, yeah, at least 250 people a day use that. I'm like, oh. You know, so the foot traffic alone in that area. Just for coffee sales, you know, right there. Well, Jesus, we, 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 so this past Saturday, I drove up to uh, Montreal uh, to get, uh, ended up being, I think, 16 working machines. So with 16 arcade cabinets, we didn't get back down to downtown Whippetal but 2.20 to unload these things. And there's still people everywhere in downtown Whippy at 2.20 in the morning. And they're all asking us. They're all like, what, what is this? What are you guys doing? I was like, oh, my God. And they, uh, last week, Katie <laughs> and Ariel were over yeah. there. Uh, Katie and Ariel were over there two days last week, you know, tearing some stuff down, tearing stuff off the walls and clean. Every five minutes, people were knocking on the window or knocking at the door. What are you guys doing in here? You know, we went for dinner uh, next door at the gastro pub, and the guy's like, oh, you guys know guys next door? And like, yeah, yeah. Everybody in that area has been so supportive and, you know, thanks what we're doing. It's something very, very cool. And I do too. I mean, it's like, you know, this idea, to me, again, it's, it's taking something that already exists but turning it ever so slightly to make it something that no one else is doing. You know, what I wanted to do with this was basically have uh, this whole bar arcade area idea, or barcade, which you can't use because it's a trademark. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to do a, a cafe-cade, right? Yeah. Where it's like, even even in Toronto, like you go to Tilt or, or Z80, they don't open until 5, 6 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. They're open at night. Like that's. But I'm like, okay, but we own a coffee company. The foundation of this business is 8-bit beans. It's to give people in that area a true cafe experience, but we happen to be a cool freaking arcade as well. Oh, it just sounds right? awesome. So it's like you come in there, and that's why you know our business model kind of changes a little bit from like a lot of these companies will do. Like you go to Tilt, you pay five bucks at the door, you come in and you play all night, right? Well, that's not our business model. Our business model is you come in, we got our we got custom tokens with our 8-bit Beans logos on them. You use those in the machines if you want to play. You come up and buy a coffee, you get a token from buying a coffee, right? So you come in, and it's more about the idea of the coffee. You come in for a damn good cup of coffee that's named after your favorite video game. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Grand Theft Americano is still my favorite game so far. <laughs> um, but, you know, you don't feel compelled to pay. You don't feel... You like you you paid five bucks at the door and now I guess I better can I come in and just buy a coffee like how does this work yeah. all right we didn't want it to be no we wanted to be very very clear like hey we're a cafe first the games are here for your enjoyment by all means please play them uh, they're definitely another revenue source so please yeah. but 
that's not the main driver. The main driver is the cafe. So if you want to come in and just sit and have a latte, give her. That's what we're here for. Don't feel compelled to play the machines, right? So that's why that model didn't work for us. Um, but we wanted to still make it very inviting. And, you know, we're going to have like a, a, like a really nice living room area. And we're going to have a bunch of console areas and, and a bunch of booths that are just for sitting at, you know. So it's whatever you're into. You might want to go down with your wife and she doesn't give a crap about gaming. But, hey, she can still enjoy the atmosphere, right? She didn't, you know, when we do that now, my wife has no interest in playing the arcade games. If we go to Tilt, she's paying five bucks at the door to buy another $8 pint. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're eliminating that that barrier to keep people like that. That would, like you said, would keep people out that aren't there for the arcade. Totally. Is there much competition in the way of like a cafe in that area? There's a few, and that's a thing, right? But here's here's the other thing, and we had we had varying different uh, opinions uh, going in this. I was like, okay, you know, there's a few really good cafes that we don't want to piss off or we all want to play nicely together and but i mean ultimately we're all offering different things sure yeah like you go across the road to brock shoot espresso they're a great little cafe but they're offering a european cafe yeah right yeah. if that's your thing and you want to go and have a business meeting that's where you're going to go yeah. right we're not trying to get that from you but they also don't do the caramel macchiatos and all the 40 flavors that we do and everything. So we're bringing more, and I hate to use this word, but I don't know what else to use. We're bringing more of that Starbucks experience, right? The people that want the flavored up and souped up lattes. Yep. That's what we are good at. And, you know, I talked to Coffee Pure, so I'm like, oh, that's not real. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm not saying that you you don't need to drink it. Yeah. You, you need to give people what they want. Yep. Right? I was talking to a guy last week, and he was all about, yeah, well, you know what? If they come up and they want a regular coffee, they get an Americano. That's just the way it is. And if I have to explain myself, then that's so I'm like, dude. And how's your foot traffic? Yeah, how's no. your foot traffic? Super confrontational right off the bat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Again, I'm mean, having a conversation when you make a latte or when you make a cortado. If I don't see that jug up in the air and it's in the air, I'm like, oh, fuck. You know what's crazy about that, you too? I mean, just talk about that for a second is that I, I drink coffee everywhere and, and I do walk into every type of cafe possible. And it is ridiculous, Buku, but it gets that, I won't say, pretentious. call it pretentious. Totally exactly pretentious. what it is. You actually, the customer, if they're if it's a new experience for them, it's a horrible experience for them, totally, and they absolutely. actually don't want to do cafe again. I mean, it takes for me. I have to pull teeth to get my wife to go to a cafe versus t- Tip Hortons. Yeah, because she walks in and she goes, "I don't know what to order." I don't know what to do. Instantly says, "I don't know what to do." I'm like, you walk up to the the person behind the counter, a barista for lack of a better label, the person that knows what they're doing, yeah. and say, "This is what I kind of think I want." Yeah, and they'll talk you through, and you will get the best drink you've ever had. Yeah. Now, if you're not smart and ask what it was, you can remember that. Fair, be, fair game. You just come back and do it again. But the reality is you'll have a better experience that's holistic that you leave with. Yeah. And you guys have that here. Because I, I, if you, you have I to, walked in right? and I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And you know where, and I, you know where you I get through. that from? I get that from, uh, and the staff are really great at that, and, and I try to be good at it too. But I get that from, you know, my experiences myself, even being someone that knows coffee and knows coffee really well. I mean, I got my first espresso machine when I was 12 years old. <laughs> like, I know coffee. Um you know, I, I remember going to uh, one of my favorite coffee joints is in, in uh, uh, Collingwood, uh, Espresso Post, and I love it there. But the first time going in there, if you're going in there uninitiated, and you look up there, and there's just names of shit, and you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Too and much. that you, you got to be inviting the people, man. you got to explain things to yeah. people, right? What do you like to drink? Oh, I, I usually get a caramel ma- macchiato. Okay, cool. You love our Winchester. Yeah. You know, like it's just communication, man. And people still want that. So, like, when you go to a place and, you know, this is what I'm giving you and this is what you got to have, or you don't put cream in that, do you? 
Let them drink coffee wherever the hell they want, man. Yeah, well, like, the worst experience oh, is if you, if you go up and you're like, you know, I've gone up to places and I'm like, well, I just need a minute to look at the menu. And if their response is just a really loud sigh, you're just like, you feel like shit. You feel Absolutely. like belittled. You're like, well, I'm never going to come back here. Yeah. You, you only feel really kind of obliged to buy something because you're standing there. But otherwise. Yep. So, so back to 8-bit cafe. I mean, I've already planned taking my children there. <laughs> I don't care what they do, but I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then it works out. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, okay, you talked about not being licensed here yep. to do alcohol. Are you th- you're going to go down that road oh, yeah, there? Definitely. Yeah. I, I feel like at that downtown core area with the, the nightlife activity that you get out of the university and the college and just Whippy in general, yeah. I, I, you're going to be busy. Yeah. I mean, the idea is that it's a cafe during the day and then a barcade at night. Right? That's, that's kind of the – and that's why we wanted to tap into that daytime market. Hold on, hold we, on, hold on. Are you going to become a brewmaster too here? Are no, you thinking about no, it? no, no, no. I, I, you know, honestly, I'm not a big beer fan. Okay, so uh, just throwing it out there because I just felt like it was another whole another division. You never know what will end up happening. Well, we, it's funny because we were actually uh, we're good friends with the people that own Cermontes, and we're talking about doing one of our coffees in a, in a nitro cold brew. So that's uh, there it is. That would be there it is totally. That's now was awesome. that the idea with the with the beers to do, do like independent breweries from the area yeah, get them in? All, yeah, all, all yeah. independent. Yeah. That's awesome. There's so many around here too. There's I mean, a it's lot. Great stuff. It's such a huge yeah. like surge of like there's breweries everywhere. Yeah. Totally. We want we want to create our own. Um, and we already do have a few in the in the in the region. Like I mean, Manantler, excuse me, makes one uh, coffee, uh, beer coffee with our coffee. Um, Oshawa, I'm not sure if they still do, but they were making a uh, a coffee with our uh, sorry a beer with our coffee. And Sermontes makes at in the fall they make a uh, pumpkin porter with our pumpkin spice coffee. Which is really cool. cool. So this sounds you good. know we're talking to some of these about possibly having our own you know like our own eight bit coffee or eight bit yeah like beer. you on the label of the yeah. yeah exactly yeah so like something that would be easily I'm being not being a big beer fan I like something that's easily accessible so mm-hmm. it's important that you know I think we're gonna have, our plans right now is to have three taps uh, and then you know canned and canned beverages and that's about it um, but yeah I mean. The focus is still going to be cafe with, you know, the evening being. Yeah. And we're going to create some cool alcoholic beverages around yep. the coffees as well, right? What a neat mix, too. I mean, it is not – I mean, love the focus. I love the focus being with the coffee. And I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. I really am because I think – I think that's what that's what sets it apart. And I think that's ultimately what could end up, you know, franchising this idea is, hey, you know, why shouldn't more of these exist where it's, you come in during the day and it's like, it's like cafe 80s out of – well, it's funny you commented about business meetings that not being a business. I'm going to tell you, in my world, I would take people there, right? Because right, right. to be honest with you, I, I I have to use on the road, uh, you know, facilities to hold host meetings. And trust me, I'll go anywhere to have a meeting that's comfortable for a venue. And sometimes you have to do something a little different. Mm. And I'm I'm already excited because of some of the things I thought of is some of the people I'm already going to take there for meetings. Right, right. Because nice. when you set the atmosphere, yeah, it gives you something else to talk about. Sure. And that's true. I mean anyone that's that true. is in this world of communication and building networks, uh, don't get caught up on being like hoity toity that you need to these fancy places that are super high end and everything's like twenty dollars a coffee. Get over yourself. Yeah. Go where it's good, there's a memorable experience. That makes a good relationship. That's that's always been our mandate, man. Yeah. Whether it's with Deli Grounds or Eight Bit Beans or, or the coffee roast, and it's like you know people ask, we know where the coffee's from. I, I can get into a full conversation with you about all the regions and single origin and all that stuff, but that's never been our mo. Our mo has been to give you a goddamn good cup of coffee. It is too, and that was the whole plan. Like when we decided on our roasts and flavors initially, and I remember sitting in these, and then when he finally came back, he said, "Well, I think you should try these." And we tried all the different ones. I'm like, yeah, that works. That works. That works. That'll be our dark and deadly. That'll be our house blend. That'll be this. I'm like, yeah, I'm like. Then I'm like, where are they from? Like, we didn't go in with like, I need a single origin pea berry. Cold. Like, you know, 
The average person doesn't give a shit about they that, don't. man. You just, just get at, over yourself. Just look at Tim Hortons drive-thru. People don't care. They don't care. What they want is a good cup of coffee. Yeah. So you can sit there with your place that's going to close in six months and be proud of that. Or you could perform and say, hey... I'm going to give people what they want. Brad's clearly had this conversation before. I love it. I just, I just, I know, just, it just drives me nuts because I see these people and I and I love their passion for yeah. authenticity. I, I don't I, like that's the thing is I do appreciate where they're coming from. Yeah, but it's like there's this narcissistic point of it that it's like you got to get over that part, guy. Yeah, and I can't talk to you when you're talking. Like you know, like I, I had I've had people come in here that talk about our coffee that have gone to other coffee roasters and have said, "Well, we went to this place and they were doing like a sampling and they gave me shit for putting sugar in it or for putting cream." I'm like, oh, that's man. how you drink it. So if you that's don't drink like it that way, you're never gonna like it. Great example is my mom. My mom doesn't like coffee, or so she says. I don't like coffee, but I like an ice cap. I'm like, all right. So I, so I made her a French vanilla the last time she was here. Degrassi Jr. died. I made her a French vanilla, keeping in mind that she likes a sweet ice cap. So I creamed and sugar the shit out of that thing. She's I love coffee. <laughs> right. Enjoy it how you want. That's what it boils down to. You yeah. know? And that's, I mean, that's kind of, kind of tailing back to the podcast. I mean, we sat down and we went through, God, how many flavors did we go through? Oh, yeah. How do you oh, do right. that, by the way? Like, we were messed up. <laughs> for we a couple did not days. know how to do that properly, oh, but we drank it all. The, the end result <laughs> the end result was we had what uh, six of us I guess yeah five or six of us yeah, yeah. and we just sat down and we we just taste tested you know uh, flavor after flavor and I mean it was it really came down to personal preference whether there was yeah. some that people didn't you know quite like but I would say ninety percent of them were like bang in fact probably the top three guarantee everybody in the group was mm. all over and when we were done we were like well i guess we have to get brad on here because a we know nothing about coffee and b we gotta we gotta figure out where this came from what was kick-ass about that episode i think back though is that we tasted so much coffee in a short period of time and they were so unique that they stood out from each other like, it didn't blend mm. together yeah, like, yeah, a lot yeah. of times you start drinking that much coffee yeah. it just blends but yeah. it was really fresh cup every time like it was a new experience you know and it's funny and every time i go to the roast and i say um you know, the last two years we had two new roasts that came on that were non-flavored, right? And that's where I think it gets a little tricky is because, okay, how do you introduce another, uh, you know, regular coffee yeah. that's not like your other ones, right? And that that's where it gets a little tricky. And, and basically what I say to him is like, you know, we've got this and we've got that. Do you have something that's a little earthier or, you know, do you have something that's got a little more uh, fruitiness to it? And then they just come back, man. They, they nail it every time. And they'll be like, you know, I think you should try this one. Uh, this is what we did to it. I'm like, okay. And they look Harvester, uh, you know, was, it was one that we created last year for uh, Steve McGinnis's book. And that's what we call a Vienna roast. Well, I call it my armchair coffee because if I'm drinking a coffee at home and I'm, you know, just chilling or if I'm having a cigar, it's got to be Harvester because it has texture. And, I, and you know, it's such a weird word to use for, for a liquid in your mouth, but it's like, because again, again, it's just liquid, but it leaves something in your mouth that's different than other coffees. So it's like, it's velvety, it's buttery. It's like, oh my God, that's so damn good, you know? And, and, and you know, and then when you look at like, uh, like, like uh, Colombian, like our Colombian's a very nutty Colombian. So, you know, you're talking, you're going very over this way where it's a little looser uh, and, and you get a lot of the, the, the nut tones to it. And it's like, you know, a lot of people don't really go for the, the Colombian unless you're really into Colombians. So, like, we, so then we offset that with a direct competitor, our Wasteland, which is the other medium roast that we do, yeah. which is like an everyday drinking, if I had to dumb it down, I would call it like a donut shop blend coffee, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But it's the most accessible if you want to get into our coffee start with wasteland so like you know we have different points and if someone comes into me and this is one of the things i always said in the beginning too is we wanted to be able to 
just do a like this, right? So somebody comes in to me and they say, I'm kind of a pike place from Starbucks. I'm like, all right, you know, it's not the same roast level, but I think if you drink our Dark and Deadly, you would get a lot of that same nuances from it. Yeah. And they'll come back like, oh, my God, not only was it like it, it's way better. I'm yeah. like, okay, cool. Right? So, you know, we worked on all those things. And, you know, it was important to us to be able to stick with the buzzwords that everyone likes to use when it comes to coffee, uh, you know, fair trade, organic, shade grown, blah, blah, blah. Do we meet all those boxes? Absolutely. Does it matter? Not really. I was just going to say, I, not I don't really. really did. It's not my buying forte. No, and a lot I of think people. It's a small group of people. It really is. And the best is when somebody comes up to me at a, a convention or they'll say, Is this the free trade? No, it's fair trade. <laughs> But clearly, you, I mean, you know that because you're really big into fair trade coffee. It's like, no, I'm looking for the free trade stuff. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. down the hallway. What are you here to barter shit? Yeah. 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 No, these beans are free range. They won't go around exactly. in the back. Shit, yeah. man. People, that's funny, you know. But, like, you know, so we're, we're lucky enough that we can check off all the boxes but not really put a push on that, right? Again, that's, that's cool. not our MO. We're, we know we're about giving a good cup of coffee with cool marketing. Yeah. No, that's absolutely it, man. Well, I mean, you've given us a lot. And we've taken up quite a bit of your time. I guess at this <laughs> point, I mean, I th- honestly, I think we could probably do another interview at some point because <laughs> oh, there's I so much. I have so many more questions. Be, oh yeah, when we when we yeah, open up, definitely more, right? Right? Um, But I guess at this point is, I mean, obviously you've got the uh, the eight bit beans uh, location that's coming up. Is there anything else coming up that you want to talk about or, or yeah, places? Sure. Be? We, we you know this is our busy time of year coming up. Um, August forward is is pretty much game on as far as conventions and shows and stuff. So. The next few months, we've got, yeah, we've got uh, Fan Expo coming up in a few weeks. We'll be there uh, with 8-Bit and Deadly Grounds. We've got uh, the Twitch meetup on the 17th, as I said. Uh, We're also providing coffee to the VIP AMD booth at uh, CNE this year. Nice. Um, we're going to be doing the thing with uh, uh, Durham College at the end of August, the uh, Extra Life event. Um, other than that, we've got London Comic Con coming up in October. Oh my God! Uh, Frightmare in the Falls coming up in October. Is that it? I hope that's it. Is there a spot people can go? I mean, obviously we don't expect you to remember every date and time, but is yeah. there somewhere where people can go to kind of follow what you guys are up to? What's, I what's mean, coming up? Social media is always the best because I mean we keep up with their social media more than our website all the time. Uh, you know, either go to uh, if you search Daily Grounds Coffee Canada or Eight Bit Beans, you're only going to find us on on any platform really. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, you name it. Snap. I think we're even on there. Not that I snap very often, but I think we. Don't go there. Just go to Facebook or Instagram. Um, <laughs> Tinder grinder. Yeah. Tinder grinder. Yeah. <laughs> Search eight bit beans. You might get something else. Um, yeah, it's fetish porn. Um, <laughs> he was looking. While he's looking for trademarks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Somebody get that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about it, man. We, you know, and of course we do our streaming from the cafe every uh, Friday night as well. Uh, the eight bit brood. So if you know if you're into that, uh, if you like watching people game, which is a huge thing. And um, we're going to be doing that from this. That's going to be all moved over to uh, to Whippy once we get yeah. that rolling. So. No, that's fantastic. Well, listen, yeah. we can't not thank you enough. I mean, no, no aside problem, from guys. the support of the podcast, uh, but in all seriousness, your time is very precious. You, we hear how busy you are with everything going on, especially going at this good. time of year. It's, it's greatly appreciated, Brad. It's no, awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. And, it's uh, a blast. And, you know, we're not not the tutor on hearts we're not the kind of people that are going to sit here and talk to you about this if we didn't obviously enjoy it and, and love your product so you know we it's it's all legit we love it we fucking we talk about it all the time we promote it almost every episode now it's uh i've yeah, totally course. made my daughter addicted 
<laughs> in the old. best way. Hooked. In the best that's way. Hooked. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And the worst part is she's developed a taste for like what's good, what isn't good. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So she's like she she oh. has an affinity now too. So like I said, man, I got yeah. my first machine when I was twelve, yeah. and I never forget. And this was living in Newfoundland. Um, so you know we didn't. Coffee in Newfoundland is instant and it comes with a can of milk. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you drink coffee back there. So I got a coffee maker, like an espresso machine, and uh, the funniest part about it was like there was a bag in the back of, of the tree. And my dad said, you know, that one's, you got to open that one last. So I opened up everything else and that one's last in the back. So when I finally opened up the espresso machine, I'm like, oh my God. I got to the last uh, bag and it, was, it said to Brad from Juan Valdez on it. <laughs> so clearly that was, the, uh, that was the coffee, right, for yeah. it. But yeah, like we, uh, everybody knew me as the coffee guy, man. I mean, I had blueprints of my first cafe when I was like twelve or thirteen years old. Like I knew, oh, so I knew this was going to be That's life, awesome. right? So yeah, it's clearly the right person for this job. Uh, absolutely. So right on. Well, thank you very much for your time, thank and you uh, yeah, we will uh, we will talk to you again. All right, sounds All right. good. Thank you. And we're back. Wow, I'm invigorated from that interview. How about yourself? This is why they sound like this when people do intros and outros. They have a, like a momentary pause and they jump back on. I That's get right. it now. But like in all seriousness, as yeah. we touched in before, amazing guest. We thank Brad for giving us uh, his time. Very busy, as you can tell from the interview. He's got a lot going on, a lot of cool upcoming projects. Uh, we'll have links for all his social media, Facebook, all that stuff on the website. Uh, but really, if you search Deadly Grounds Canada, Deadly Grounds Coffee Canada, Apid Beans, You'll probably find just about everything that way just as well. Amazing ideas, man. Like I, I I'm so excited. I cannot wait for this whole eight bit bean cafe thing going on. He talked about there being like a sound space possibly or stage space, something like that. Oh, we're recording from there, guaranteed we it's are happening. Totally doing an episode and whether it's just with him, maybe Victor Lucas. We'll we'll figure something out and get get something going there. Cause I mean I got a million questions for him too, by the way. But I mean, Brad, I got so much more we left that interview. We could do another interview for sure. Yeah, like I knew there'd be a lot of questions and I knew there'd be a lot of neat things and, you know, digging there. And once Brad got going, it was, holy crap, we got so much more to talk about. And yeah. just, what an awesome dude. Like, it is all around awesome dude. Just yeah. So Totally uh, hang around with the guy. I think there's, I know I cut you off, but. No, that's. Just aside from the fact that you're just a great business mind, running a great product out of a great store with a family-based business and taking care of people around him and, and really that inclusive piece. I feel like he's like almost as much a part of a friend as he is a business. Like he was just so easy, so likable. And I think that that's probably a big deal with uh, customer retention and not just from like the people that come through the cafe, but I think also the people that uh, he distributes the coffee to. He's just got a relationship with everybody. He's incredibly like just personable, right? And going back to our episode where we did all the taste testing for the coffee, the fact that he's, you know, the priority is, I don't care, you know, it, it is, you know, all these fancy terms and all that stuff. But in the end of the day, how does it taste? Does yeah. it taste good? It can be, you know, uh, fair trade. It can be all that stuff. But at the end of the day, does it taste good? So it's all that stuff. Plus, it's awesome. I just, feel like, I just feel like you're such a real human being when he, he basically was like, if you take sugar in your coffee, put sugar in your coffee, then drink it. Because well, yeah. that's how you're going to so drink it, man. Why would you discriminate against the people that are going to buy your product? Yeah. Let them do whatever they want to do with it. But that was cool. Like, just the no holding back. I mean, no holds barred. Awesome guy. Yep. Awesome, awesome. I can't, you know, thank you so much, Brad, for your time, honestly, folks. And if you haven't been to Deadly Grounds, you haven't checked out the website, deadlygroundcoffee.ca, go there, check it out. You've heard the story, why he, how he's gotten to where he is with it. Take a peek at it. Visit it. I mean, I know people that go there that go out of their way to grab coffee from there. It is well worth the trip. 
you want to talk to like really knowledgeable and like just personable baristas, like people that will serve you based on taste, not just what they think they're going to shove down your throat to make profit off you. Like, holy crap, man, this is exactly the kind of people you want to talk to. And they'll explain why. So then, you know, going through why you want to pick something else, like it just it's education as you order. I mean, that's such a smart thing. And it helps you if you're a person like me who travels a lot. And when you spend, you know, three to five bucks on a coffee, you really want to not waste your money. And I've wasted my money many, many times after going in there and ordering. I stopped wasting my money. That's right. It made life really easy. Yeah. So it's transferable, folks. Right on. All right. Well, that was a, a great episode. And uh, again, we thank Brad and we will... Uh, talk to you later don't forget to check us out on social media we're happy zen podcast on instagram and twitter the happy zen podcast on facebook and happy zen.com has our website with all our episodes social media all that jazz so thanks for listening yep.